Welcome to the Propelling Point Podcast. Yes, try to say that three times. I'm Dr. Sharon Kelly, otherwise known as Dr. K. So why do I have this podcast? Because I want to help as many people as possible overcome the fear of how to. Yep, I said it, how to. So often when we don't know how to do something, we get stuck in a place of fear so we don't do anything. So what's the best way to overcome that fear? is to talk about it. And that's what I'm gonna be doing. We are always told what to do. We're always told what needs to be done. But rarely does anyone take the moment to tell us how to do it. So in other words, we get stuck in the how to. So I'm gonna be focusing on bringing insight on how to accomplish the how to. How to accomplish your goals in life, in faith and in business. I want to focus on the greater things in you by providing you three crucial points. I call those the propelling points. You're going to deal with you as a person. We're going to deal with you being a pioneer. And we're going to deal with processes. I'm looking forward to it. Please realize that when I say overcoming the fear of how to, you may be thinking, I don't have a fear. Yes, you do. When we don't know how to do something, even if you find out later how to do it, we often get stuck. So I'm going to talk about things in life and in business, sometimes things that people rarely talk about. But I want to focus on how to overcome the fear of how to. So I'm going to ask you to make sure that you subscribe, share, like, and guess what? I also need you to comment. Give me some comment and feedback after every episode so that I can make this even better so that I know how to do it. So let's get it started. Once again, and thank you all for listening into the Pulling Point Podcast. Again, why am I here? I'm Dr. K. I'm here because as long as you know that someone else has the power to give you knowledge, you can overcome the how-to. How to do what? Today's episode, I'm excited because we're talking about how to understand your finances. You have to understand that there is a difference between abundance and scarcity. And so I have the honor to today for bringing in someone whose heart is about finance and empowerment most of all helping us to understand what future looks like when it pertains to our wealth so often we think about our future and just material things but i love it that my guest today he's going to help us to understand it is not just the money you have but the knowledge you have as it pertains to money and finance so as you listen in today i'm going to ask you don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast today the propelling point podcast where I come to bring you knowledge about how to. So it's my honor today, as always on this platform, to bring in people who can give us the knowledge to overcome the fear of how to, how to invest, how to be prepared for the future. That's who I have today. I have uh, Maurice Clark with me from Clark Financial, and I'm excited because this is his heart. And you all know me on this platform. If you don't know me, get to know me. It's not about where you are, but where you're going. So we have Maurice with us today, and he'll be able to give us those points to help us to understand that difference in uh, the difference between being abundant or scarcity. And even though we know it's a mindset, we need people in our lives to help us with those tools. So welcome so much, Maurice. How are you? 
I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hello, Dr. K. Thank you for having me today. I'm truly excited. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. We have a lot of stuff to unpack. So you guide yes. me. You yes. let me know wh where we're going. I'm not, look, I'm there. And I want you to give us as many nuggets as you possibly can with your years of experience to get us to not even just listen to this podcast because I want people to be empowered, but let them be inspired to go out and do something simple as, as you bring these nuggets to us today. So let's first, let's start with this. Tell us about you, tell the audience about you and who you are and you know, the passion of your company. Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> we got <laughs> enough time for you to get us in that perfect place. Okay. 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 So, but let's do this. Before I get into what it is I do and what we do here at our firm and, and getting people to financial independence, let me go back to, to I guess, where I started just uh, as a being. Uh, some yes. of which, the, the people that will hear this, whether it be folks from your, from your sphere or folks from, from our world or even our clients, some of the stuff that I'm getting ready to share, although they might know me for 5, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever the case may be, some of the stuff will be illuminating, some of it will be interesting, or some of it may even be an aha moment or several of these aha moments. So I'm not originally from this country. I was born in Germany, West Germany, Freiburg to be exact. I lived there mm -hmm. for a little bit, a year or two. My family is from West Africa, Liberia specifically, Monrovia specifically. But as I mentioned, I was born in Germany, moved to Kenya thereafter, and then went back home to Liberia where we're from. And then I made it over here to America. I was in the third grade. And which is interesting and ironic all in the same, because my oldest son, he's in third grade, graduating and moving on to fourth grade next year or next school year. And a lot of the stuff that he will ask me about where I'm from, where his family's from, it, it's interesting because I was his age at the time when I came to this country and it was just so fascinating all that was going on and how different it was coming from a country that's predominantly black to come to a country at the time that's predominantly white. And today it's more and more of a melting pot. But I, I realized very quickly that there are a lot of inequities. One of those being financial inequities. And I just always found it fascinating. Uh, so much so I, I had a pivotal encounter with a gentleman, and I'm sure I'll, I'll come back to this as we talk more, but at the age of 15, going on 16, which ultimately led me down the path of helping people achieve financial independence, which ultimately led me to creating a firm that'll be the most significant thing professionally I've done year to date, 
which is help a certain group and demographic of people that were largely disenfranchised for many, many years and help them to become empowered. As I said, I know we'll get into more of this, but just that was just a little bit of a background and, and where I come from. And, and that may help the listeners understand how I think and that my vantage point is a little bit different than most people that were born and raised here in this country. Uh, I just see things just a little bit differently. So ho hopefully that's a, a, enough of a background. I love that you, you know, you really told us about you um, in that. I would love it if you could share a little more, like you, you talked about your vision, you know, the way you see things are a little bit uh, different. How so is it is it different and how has it helped to really mold who you are and the passion that you have for uh, financial freedom? There's, there's just one moment that resonates and is so vivid with me. So take 2008, the Obama campaign, right? I mean, it was historic to see this brother on this campaign trail building up momentum and when he won the Democratic primary, I remember being in my apartment with my then girlfriend, now wife, and she was so ecstatic. And I, I thought it was interesting, but I didn't really understand in that moment how significant it was to a lot of folks in America, specifically the, the, the black and brown communities. And I remember asking my, my then girlfriend, saying to her, what's why are you so excited? I mean, I get it. This is something different. We, we could use something different. I just, I, I really didn't get it. And, and she said, why do you, why aren't you that excited? And I said, well, I've been in a country or countries where the presidents were black, where every president was black. Wow. Wow. So, what a mindset. Wow. So I, I, I hadn't seen anything other than that. <laughs> So I think about my son who's going into the fourth grade, but in third grade this calendar year, and he knows all the presidents. And of course he knows the current president, the previous president, the president prior to that, which is President Barack Obama. And I reminded him, I said, it never was something where it was, it was something that we took significant notice of when I was in third grade, who the president was because it wasn't anything different. It was just another black person in office. Sure, I knew the presidents, but it wasn't as fascinating and groundbreaking. Now, and it did become groundbreaking in, in uh, the 2010s when Liberia elected its first female black president. So that was groundbreaking, but- Yes, I, I followed that, absolutely, yeah, uh, yes. President Sirleaf Johnson, but, I really, just going back to that moment, and it's very vivid to me, I just wasn't enthused or as excited as everybody else was in our circle of friends. And it, it really was because I'd already seen this, I didn't really get the significance. But then thanks to my, my, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and my friends that we've been friends for over 25 years that I met in college here at Norfolk State University in Norfolk, Virginia, they, they educated me on why it was very significant from their vantage point, given that a lot of my friends that are Black and Americans didn't have an identity. 
that they're that they're aware of. And a, a lot of brothers and sisters, from what I understand, are, are trying to find more so now than ever before where they come from, because it's very very important to have identity, and it's yes. just something that I've always had, and I never thought anything about it. But once I was able to put myself in their shoes, then I then began to understand over those next four years how significant it was to a group of people that have been largely marginalized and disenfranchised and, and denigrated. But that moment and even moments after continued to shape how I see things. I may not see things exactly like the way my friends and my wife sees it. And it's just because I've, I've seen things in my more formative years, birth to nine years old, that most people only read in a book or are, or when they get older are fortunate to go and travel to these places. And I have to constantly remind myself when speaking about certain things that are going on here in America, uh, that my experiences have shaped how I view certain things or think about certain things. For instance, the, the N-word is, is such a devastating word to a lot of people Yes. Uh, in that when folks say it to us, they're really trying to solicit a response from us and we react to it and in and, and a way that, uh, that typically brings us anger and we want to physically harm somebody <laughs> in result of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I would have conversations with my friends when I was in college, and I would say to them, I said, why do you allow this person or these people, wherever the encounter was at that particular time, to enrage you? And I would remind them that that is a made up construct by people that are of a different hue to enrage you, to make you feel in fear. I said, you know, it's made up. I said, do you think right. people from Liberia call each other the N-word? Or Kenya, mm. or Ghana, or, or anywhere on that continent. Somebody made it up, it's a made up term. Mm. So, but understanding what they've gone through and they've been born into that, right? Correct. They've been born Correct. into people making you feel less than and using this word to, to say that you're in a certain place and you better stay there whereas i wasn't around that and even though we like a lot of the same things same music same movies same fashions we went to the same north state university if anybody ever called me i never really responded i think i was in seventh grade when in fact a neighbor in in maryland where where we we end up selling when we came to this country. I guess he had been saying it to me for a while, but he always said it with a smile. So I didn't really know what he was talking about. I never heard it. Wow. And so you could I told with, with, with the damage or the construct, like you said, you couldn't associate with it because it wasn't something that, that you even knew. So it had no value to you. Absolutely. That's I, absolutely not. So I told my mother that these kids said this to me and I was, I, I said it and she said, what are you, smiling for us because they were small <laughs> she said that is a uh, racial epithet right i said mom what does that mean so she tells me what that means i was like so what does that mean for me are they are you saying i shouldn't mess with them she said yeah don't mess with, don't mess with them <laughs> and uh, 
and my brother was in ninth grade, so he was a few years older than me. And I don't know if he knew it, but he didn't respond. I think he heard it, or maybe I was closer and and I heard it, but he didn't respond. But I definitely, it didn't resonate with me. And really, it doesn't affect me if somebody says that to me. It, it never has. I've always been of the mindset, as long as you don't try to physically harm me, that's just a bunch of talk. But when you speak with my friends and people that have been, been here their whole lives, born here, and they've heard it since they were old enough to comprehend English, it definitely means something to them and they react in a certain way. And all I can do is, is coach and talk to my friends and say, listen, don't let anybody trick you out of your freedom because that person calls you that and then you lunge at them in some physical or menacing fashion. Now you, you might have a charge. Right. And in some cases, that's what some of these folks want you to do. They want to trick you right. out of your freedom. Mm. So just it's just interesting things that so I'm still talk, learning. So, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was no, no, no. I was just saying it's just interesting. Tie that into. Um, I love what you said that someone can trick you out of your freedom. So, uh, can you tie that in for us? Like, how does that happen with uh, finances? It's the same thing. I think it's the same mindset. If someone can tell you you don't know, or have you believed that you know you're not. Uh, smart enough, have enough knowledge to to really get in and be able to invest or understand wealth, then they can trick you out of out of your freedom. I love the way you said that because it's the same way, the same um, mindset that goes with trying to pull someone down and make them feel less than. I think it's the same thing that happens with our finance. So could you kind of jump into that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what that means? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's so many ways I I, I can share with you. A most recent conversation I had two weeks ago with one of our clients, she's 55 or 56. She's getting ready to retire this year on December 31st. And when we first met her 12 or 13 years ago, her thinking was work until she's 67. And I said to her back then, why you believe 67 is, is when you can retire? And she said, well, isn't that what most people do? I said, well, you're not here to be like most people, are you? So we fast forward to 2021, two weeks ago, where she's coming over. We have a, a meeting schedule. She comes over and she said, I had the interesting, most interesting conversation with uh, one of my managers. I told him that I was going to go see my, my, my advisors at my wealth management firm. And he said, why do you have an advisor? Why do you have a wealth management firm? I think it was, why do you have a wealth management firm? But it was the tone in which he said it, almost in a condescending fashion. Like, how do you have money? You're black. I mean, that, that's all he was missing. He just didn't say that. So when, when he said, why do you have it? it? It felt like that why do you have was really a euphemism for you're black. Seriously? And I outrank you in, in the job. Yeah, that's that backhand comment is what we... Like, okay, we really don't know what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and she said, well, how old are you? And the guy said, well, I'm 63. She said, well, I guess it's no better time than now to tell you I'll be retiring the end of this year before I'm 56. So good luck. 
Wow. And uh, a hush fell over the crowd, as they would say in my son's school. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Silence. So th- this, th- this gentleman got a wake up call and still the look on his face that I'm in disbelief that she is able to walk out of here. And yet I am not. While I have a higher position in the government, I make more. So then that takes us to another thing, which is it's never about what you make, more so than it is about what you do with what you have. I'm going to need you to repeat that because I need every listener to really capture what you just said. I think that's the first takeaway. Uh, would you just repeat that? Is Absolutely. That about what you have? Absolutely. It, we, we must remember that it, it, it's, it has very little to do with how much you make, but more so to do with what you do with what you have. It doesn't matter. I, I remember when I was dating my, my wife. It was maybe our first or second date. We went to the mall here in, in, in Norfolk, Virginia, MacArthur Mall. And we were going to a movie. I think it was our first actual date. And she said, no, the movie doesn't start for another hour. So let's walk around the mall. So we're walking around the mall and we go to Express. She pulls out her wallet, her purse or whatever the case may be. And she has all these cards. Macy's, Express, J. Crew, whatever happy. And I said, wow. So that was a lot of cars for someone in college without a job. Or if she did have a job, and I think she did, she she did have a job working in one of the hotels. And I asked her, I said, why do you have all those cars? She says, well, I can be able to get stuff. You, you're, not, you're not familiar with cars? I said, yeah. I said, I'm familiar with cars. I'm, I'm wondering, why do you have so many? And she, can't remember exactly what she said thereafter, but it, it was noticeab- noticeably concerning. <laughs> and I said, this relationship might be dubious if we don't figure this out. Figure it out, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so a week later, we're talking, and I said, let's talk about those cards again. So what are your balances? And she's probably thinking, like, I just went on a date. This guy's asking me about balances with cars, this, that, and the other. And she told me the different balances. I'm like, you've got to get rid of those. We're going to be together. And she probably was thinking, like, what is this dude talking about? We just hung out one time. One time. But you know how... The- <laughs> I don't even know if I want him yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how there's that, there's that old cliche I, I knew that I was going to be with this person the moment I met them I truly felt that I just didn't know when I would marry her or I didn't know all the particulars but I knew this was somebody with her spirit that would uh, that would suit me well and would challenge me in in different ways uh, even then I knew that a couple of weeks into us dating and she gave me her cards and said, well, fine. But before I do this, I just want to let you know that when I start making a lot more money, once I graduate and I get into my career and get my degrees and this, that, and the other, I'll better manage my money then. And I said, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. 
because it so starts you, now. Yeah. So you mean that, okay, let's say you're making $15,000, you're working part-time, but and let's say you start making $100,000. You have bad habits while you're making fifteen and all the way up to 100 but once you get to 100 based on your thinking, your ideology, you'll manage, you'll manage your personal finances a lot better. She said, yeah. That's, that's the, and I use a different, I use different language that I, I'm not going to repeat <laughs> on this podcast. Exactly, exactly. But, <laughs> but, but it, it was just so crazy to me. But she was, she was sincere. I didn't judge her. I wasn't judging, which is why I think she felt comfortable saying what it is she said to me in, in that moment. But I said, wow. And it was just because she was, she was and is very smart. She has a lot of degrees and certifications and going for more degrees and, and all that stuff. Uh, for a while, I said, you're like the girl from uh, Girlfriends. You've got five degrees, but you got to figure out what you're going to do. But thankfully, she's always known that she wanted to be in the healthcare field, but she's very, very smart. And I knew that then as a pre-med major, biology pre-med, I was like, you can't be that smart and say something that crazy. So little did I know I would, that would be my first client. <laughs> that wow. I'd have to, I would have to, I, I, I had a vested interest in making sure she was educated from a financial perspective, whether it be personal planning, investments, whatever the case may be. Because if this was a person that I truly see myself with, and I hope one day we would have children which we do have two children and I need her to know this. God forbid if something happens to me, I need her to know a decent amount of stuff. And I knew it would take time. And we've been together over 17 years from our 10 years being married as of June 11th of this month. And then the other eight years it took me to get my mind right and, and then marry her. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to put it you know what see, see Sharon you, you got to put it out there you got to put it out there you got to let it out. Go. all right I, listen, I took the long path for a little bit. yeah I took the long path I needed to make sure that we could do this I needed to see her in her best at her worst so when it was time for premarital counseling at the time she was living in New York and and I said, Amanda, so she, no, she approached me. She said, Morris, what do you think about pre-medical counseling? I said, I'm with it. She said, yeah, the, the pastor of the church I go to in New York, she said that the sociopath said that she can do it via phone call. I said, no, no, I'm going to fly to New York. I, I, need to, I need to see what's going on. And I remember yeah, one of the first awesome. things she, yes. she said to me was, Maurice, do you receive her the way she is? I said, I think I know what you're saying, Explain them. So she explained this. I said, "Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the good and the bad, and I, and I can live with the the worst side of her." She's like, "Okay." She's like, "Now let's talk about finances." She said, "I think it's now time for you, and and Amanda to to be open about your finance." I said, "Listen, I realized years ago when I was growing up, I saw my parents argue about money." Good and bad, but I saw them argue about that. And I said to myself at that young age, 14, 15, 16, that's one thing I'll never argue with my spouse about, about money. Now we can argue about these kids or anything else, but we're not gonna argue about money. So I said, so I say that to say that she has full access to all my accounts and knows where everything is and tells me 
when I get paid or, or what's going on with the company account or whatever. She said, really, you trust her like that? I said, well, if she steals from me, then that means it's over. Right, that maybe and she's not a partner in that. Yeah, and, and then yes. she'd, be, she'd be doing me a favor before we get married. <laughs> so so I, I never concerned <laughs> myself with that. I, I just, I never did. I just, I wanted to be transparent. And that here, this is my situation. This is what the company is doing, Clark Financial Management. Actually, that was before I formed the company, to be quite honest with you. And I was a partner at another firm, but she still could see a lot of the stuff that was going on with my personal finances, not just not my company, but my other partners. But I said, I said, Pastor, I just need her to know everything that's going on. So there's no miscommunication, no issues as far as that. And she said, well, do you know her finances? I said, absolutely. And I told her the same story I shared with you all and the listeners about when we first dated with the cards and how I had to take those cards from her about a week or so, week or so after. She found that to be amusing. And she said, all right, so what about, how do you guys divvy up the bills? I said, well, you know, she's out here going to college. And while she's out here, I told her I would support her financially. I just want her to focus on her education and get that experience having never lived anywhere outside of Virginia. So she wanted to go to New York City where she has some family. So got her place. She soaked up the, the, the vibe in, in New York, specifically in Harlem. And she joined a church out there, which we're still members of to this day as well. And when we were back awesome. there, we, yeah. we, tried to, we tried to check it out, Abyssinian Baptist in, in Harlem. Uh, New York, uh, Pastor Calvin Butts, I run the heads of that church. So, so there, there's a couple uh, strings again, I want to pull on. Um, you talked about financial, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, personal wealth. So here's my question for the listeners that are here. What would be some of the practical things to get someone started? So like you anybody coming into a relationship and I and I believe in that uh, I have my own story on that anyone coming into a relationship you have to have the right mindset of what finance is going to look like what financial freedom is going to look like once you're married and it doesn't start once you're married it starts when you decide that maybe this is the person for me so um, one area like you said being completely transparent and open what are a couple tangible things you would say that right now let's say a single mom um, with three kids and she wants to, you know, invest, but she has no clue what it looks like because the only thing she can see right now is that I'm trying to make ends meet from month to month. So I have no room to invest. And so what would be like maybe two or three things that you would say tangible things that she could do to put money aside or even get the mindset right? First of all, like you talked about cars and I'm that's again, that's a whole another time I'm gonna have to bring you in on that and talk about that because I think that's one of the biggest crutches that um, especially people uh, of color you know we, we see these credit cards and you got to understand it's a there's a reason why they want you to get it free when you go in the store oh we'll give it there's a reason that they pull you into that um, so what would be you know like I said two or three tangible things you would tell um, that mom that single mom to get her to understand, hey, this isn't just what you're doing, but the mindset behind it to get that financial freedom. What would you say to that? So 
and we do have that from time to time come up. So a couple of quick things we would share would be, regardless of your income, we're of the belief that you should have a saving in the event of an opportunity or an emergency. Whereas a lot of the times wealth management firms, financial advisors, whatever the case may be, will say, you should have a savings in the event of an emergency. And I, I just, I always felt that that was interesting. What if there's an opportunity? That is good. Take that away, listeners. Because, I, I mean, I was sitting here like, oh, my God, I got to jump in. You just said it perfectly. It's not just then the emergency, but what about the opportunity? That That's a takeaway right there. So uh, I don't, just don't think about it as that emergency fund, but that opportunity that may come before you. That's good. And I think you have to speak that. You have to speak opportunities, 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 opportunities into existence. If you speak emergencies, 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 that's what you always have in your life, emergency. Absolutely. So the first thing we, we want is folks to have an opportunity and emergency fund, a savings for that. And regardless of how much you make, our goal is for all of our clients to get to the point where they have at least 20% of their gross or total household income in savings. So if you're at a $50,000 household income or you're single, you're making 50,000, 20% of that is 10 grand. Anything above and beyond that 10 grand given this scenario, we consider that to be lazy money because it's not really earning anything. The banks aren't really Doing anything. giving yes. you anything, right? So that's at 50. But if let's say it's two of you, you're making 50, your spouse is making 50, now that's $100,000. Whether you have kids or not, 20% of that 100,000 is $20,000 for opportunities or emergencies in that order, opportunities or emergencies. If you believe you will always have, if you believe you're only going to have emergencies, that's what you're going to have. If you believe you're going to have opportunities, that's what will, will come of your, your life. You'll have tons of opportunities. So a lot of times the, we, we, yes. we, we have this energy and we, 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 we direct it towards the negative emergency, but we don't spend the same amount of time directing it to something positive. So that's the first thing. The next thing is if you're working for a company that has a 401k and they have a, a, a plan that will match. So let's say you have a, you're at a company, they'll match you 5% of your pay. Meaning if you put 5% of your pay, they'll match you 5%. If you put in 10% of your pay, they'll match you five. If you put 2%, they'll only match you whatever you put in. So if you put two, they'll put two. You put three, they'll put three. Four, they'll put four. Five. But anything above five, it's still 5% that they're going to match. And a lot of companies are offering that as well as governments, state, local, uh, federal government. They have matching dollars because a lot of pensions have gone away as pertains to working for corporations, small businesses, mid-sized businesses, whatever the case may be. So if your company, if you're making 50000 and they're willing to give a 5% match, we're of the belief you should put at the very least up to the match, which is 5% for that single mother you were talking about. So 5% there. Now going back to the savings real quick, there's no timeline on when you should have that $10,000 given that $50,000 example, that 20% of your mm -hmm. gross income. However, you should always be moving incrementally 
towards that $10,000. And then someone will say to me, well, what if I get to six and I, I take a trip and it goes down to five? Okay, well then use the thousand dollars. That's what there's an opportunity to decompress so you don't go crazy on people at your job. Right. <laughs> That's needed. Yeah, it's needed. Or you may need to just take some time away, have some mommy time or some daddy time or some mom and dad time and go take yourselves on a vacation. So you can be there and present for those children. And then when you then when you use it up, just build it back up. Keep building it back up. So it could go from five to six, back to back to to five, up to eight, down to 75, and up to 10, whatever the case may be. As long as there's a conscious effort made towards moving that needle forward, that's all we could hope for for our clients. So that's the savings, that's the 401k. And then the next thing is as far as let's say debt, let's say you have credit cards. We would say, all right, if we understand you, you might want to use the credit cards to get the rewards points of this, that, and the other, because it helps to pay for the different trips that you have and different things that you're doing. Okay, I get it. Just be mindful. Don't go past a certain amount. If there's a $5,000 limit on the card, try to use, try to not go beyond 50% of the credit limit. Uh, today, we don't really have to deal with that with our clients because we we have a certain demographic that we we found that we serve particularly well and those folks dislike debt as much as i dislike debt as much as as much yes. as we here yes. at our firm at cfm dislike debt. so that's not much of a of, of a conversation as it was 17 years ago when i first started uh, serving people that's a lot of what we talked about and those people kind of grew with me and then ultimately CFM, Clark Financial Management, the firm to where when they introduce us to their church members, to their family members, to their coworkers, to their next neighbors in which they have a really good relationship with, because we don't want to work with folks if our clients don't have a good relationship with. If you kind of like them, kind of dislike them, we don't want that. Because if you kind of don't like them, then we don't need that energy either. So, <laughs> so our clients are able to be very communicative with the people that they want to introduce us to and that listen you better have you better not have a whole bunch of debt when you go over there because they don't have time for that they don't have time to tell you how to pay your bills and you're 50 or you're 40 or you're 35 but you've been working in the, in the field since you're 22 so you've got 13 years because at a certain point you know better and you've been taught better it's just sometimes we have as people we have these impulse control issues well, we'll say, I got to deal with all this foolishness at work. I deserve this new car. Mm. Well, I deserve it too, but you don't see me going out to buy a Maserati. If your car payment is more than your house, then we might have some issues. <laughs> just a little issue, right? Yeah, just, just a few issues. And, and that's typically when I say, you know what? We're, we'll back out of this. We don't think we're the best fit. Because I, I shouldn't have to tell you that that sounds crazy at 40, at 45, at 50. You've got, you've got kids that you need to sow into and teach them. And a lot of th those folks that we would talk to, they knew better, Dr. K. They knew better. They just didn't want to do better. So, wow. Wow. So those are, three, th those are some I, quick things. I got to tell you right now, this we're going to have to do a part two. Um, because there's, I mean, you're giving us 
the the foundation and i love that you're really um diving into the the mindset and the um lack of understanding the lack of knowledge and so i love that you're pulling the thread because in the way that you're presenting the the story people can relate i know i could i could honestly uh, relate to what you were saying, like debt, like I absolutely hate having debt. And then when you come into a marriage, you have to understand that both of you need to be at that same uh, place or even grow to that place uh, sooner than later. So, um, you know, like the single mom or a single dad or that person who just doesn't know, like you said, I, I, I go back to that opportunity, uh, save for the opportunity, you know, not just the emergency. So I'm going to tell you right now, we're gonna invite you back. This okay. this cannot. There's just too much you have there that I want um, to pull from you, and so. But this is the time of our podcast when we go into the three points, propelling points, and these three points. It's gonna focus on the person, the process, and uh, the pioneer, and what those these points came about for me because so often people become stuck in how to. They don't know like like you just gave us the three points on how to even get it started, but there's so much more in this. I mean, I just, I'm sitting here like, okay, I hope he knows it's gonna be a part two. So if he doesn't, I'll tell him now. <laughs> well, I, I did I, well, I did share, we have a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we, we've got to do this again sooner than later. So to my listeners, this is gonna be the first uh, of, of, I know a, another, at least one more, because I want this to be thorough. And again, he's not coming in to be your financial advisor. He's not coming in to tell you what to do, you know, with your money with that, that requires one-on-one. -on -one, and I'm sure he would, he would um, agree with me. Yeah. So he, it requires one-on-one. -on -one. He cannot tell you how to move around your money with that, without ever speaking with you or how to better use your money. And his clientele may be different than what you believe you are. But I believe the nuggets that Maurice is giving us today is that it's that tangible real life scenario, not just, hey, bring me your money and we can make you rich. I'm so glad I, I didn't hear any of that. He's like, look, this is hard work and this is a mindset. You know, my, my fiance, we had to sit down and I'm like, wait a minute, all those credit cards is not for me, not for you <laughs> and I. And so these are things I want us to take these moments now to examine what's in your life that's, that has you stuck in not knowing. And so you're like, well, I don't, I don't even know how to start. Well, what I heard today is start with your mindset. And that's why I keep saying it. Start with where you are. What are you doing with your money and why are you doing it? Like you said, uh, I love I love it. Hey, because that was me many years ago. I remember living paycheck to paycheck because I was a compulsive shopper. Uh, so this was like 20 years ago where um, there was just an issue with me where uh, it's like, OK, you know what? I'm not feeling good. You know, some people, you know, ate. That wasn't me. I, I was uh, in the military, so I would run. I was very athletic. I, I threw myself into my work. But for me, just buying an unnecessary outfit that I'm only going to wear one time, you know, mattered much, much more. So I was looking for things that, you know, that for me in my life as a stand, as a believer of Jesus Christ, that only the Lord could bring healing to. And once I got that healing and understanding, it, it did a lot for me. So I just want to tell you, you're giving us real tangible situations. To well, I'm glad to hear that you've been delivered. I, I sure am. Trust me. Uh, you know, I, I still love shoes. Anyone that knows me, they, they know I love shoes, but I know how to reuse the shoes that I have. I used to be one that I would have to buy a new pair like every week. Oh, yeah. so, oh, no, 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 no. That's no longer my life. You know, things aren't perfect, 
Um, but things, I would say they're much better. They're being perfected. So I just want to share that with you and as the listeners come on. So like I said, we're at that point in the podcast and I so appreciate your time. I know how extremely busy you are um, when we talk about the three points. And so I'm going to ask you now as a propelling point for a person, what word of wisdom could you give to someone who right now they're just fearful about even us using the word wealth because they so they've associated wealth with meaning you have so much money, but not the right mindset. What word of wisdom could you give to that person who's listening now that they can have a better understanding of even what wealth is so they're not so afraid and feel overwhelmed by the term? Well, I think, I think the concept of wealth starts with a, a state of mind because you have people that have a lot of wealth, financial wealth, but they may be morally bankrupt. Wow, absolutely, yes. They may, they may hate their lives. They may not have great relationships with their kids. Their wife or their, their husband is just with them because they have the financial means. So they don't really want you, they just want what you have. So when, when we see that, and there, there are plenty of cases that around <laughs> our society where we see these individuals that have all this money but they don't have any meaningful relationships they have a bunch of sycophants people only around to tell them what they want to hear right or they have these idolaters people that deify them as if they're the second coming no you just have money that people really want to be around or you have influence that people want in result of you having the the money so uh, it's a state of mind just like being poor is a state of mind i'm 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 a firm believer of where you are today so let's say you're you're a person that's 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 come from the mud that that you you've worked hard for everything and you're still moving and you still don't feel like you you you've gotten to where you need to be in, in terms of uh some sort of financial security and it could be just making your actual just basic bills and needs met what people must understand is that where you are today is not indicative of where you will be tomorrow absolutely unless you may i say this unless you allow where you are today to become your tomorrow because yeah, you, but, you just but, the, yeah. but here's the thing though doc the beautiful thing about this country you can be an absolute moron and become financially wealthy in this that's country. That's not true. in other countries. If you're if you're the town or village idiot, that's what you are relegated to. I've <laughs> lived in many countries. If your father was a goat herder, that's what you're going to be. Right. And, America, and it's, accepted. it's accepted. And it's accepted. And, and everyone knows oh, that that's just what he's going to be. That's what she's going to be. But in this country, you can just wake up on any morning, Lord willing, and just decide that your life's gonna be different going forward. Now you will have to work tirelessly. You may have to work harder than others to make sure that your current life isn't indicative of your future. So that comes with having that abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality. And I a lot of folks are plagued with that type of thinking and that type of belief, some of which, or maybe most of which is something that was learned the people around you think like a poor person, not poor financially, but just poor mentally. 
Right. So that leads to a scarcity mentality, which is almost like a disease. So I would say it is a disease in certain areas because it really does come to defile everything about you, that whole mindset. Yes, you just, oh my gosh, it just, mm, you, you just hit it. It's there. And, and what you're saying now, like, you know, I was going to move over to the process uh, point. And I think you've kind of even encapsulated already the process that you have to be ready to go through the process of change. Would you agree? Absolutely. You, you, you have to be. And, and it's tough. I remember my father would always say, say that. And he just joined us here uh, from Maryland. He came and, and flew down here and spent the weekend with us. And we were talking about it. He said, Morris, just keep doing what you're doing and be better than me. And I looked at my two boys. I said, isn't that what I tell you? The, the goal is for each generation to be better than the previous in every way. Better man, better friend, better father, better sibling, better with your money better spiritually, whatever the case, you just need to be better. And, 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 my, and my, my kids are always like, man, dad, that's harsh. I said, listen, if I'm doing all this to put you in a position for you to be the same or less than what I am, then I've failed. Wow. wow. I, I've, true, I, I've, true, I've failed you. And I'm, I'm not interested in failing at all. So the, the minute that those two brown it's my, my young son says, Dad, I'm not black, I'm brown. I said, well, you're black. You may, <laughs> you may have a brown complexion, but you're black. <laughs> and I said, and, and I said, the minute that they were born and the minute that they understood right from wrong, my focus was on raising them to be men, not raising them to be boys. Yes, you got the mindset in the process. See, Absolutely. you started the process early. Absolutely, and, and, and I think because of that, you know, I mean, I can. It's not even whether or not your kids are going to do it; they're going to excel because they have that. They have that foundation. I believe this is me. I believe that fathers do build a foundation for freedom. I told people, um, and like we just at the recording of this podcast, we just celebrated Juneteenth, um, first national holiday at the recording of this podcast, and, and I'm like, it came right on the heel of Father's Day. And what's amazing is I believe, and I know it to be true that a father does indeed set the foundation of freedom, whatever that freedom looks like, uh, you know, freedom of mindset in the case that you're, you're sharing with your sons and as your father shared with you, it's like there's a freedom there that you wanna get them to understand, here's the process you're gonna go through. In the process, I've already started, but now you need to continue. And in you continuing that process, let it be better. So here we go, here's that final point. Okay. And again, when you come back, we're going to dig into more. And so I'm going to keep saying it so that you know you will be back. <laughs> so it's called, a, it's called a pioneering point. And this could be either financially or, or anything. But if you could share with our listeners just something to encourage them to do something different. So I say a pioneer is somebody who doesn't mind being the first to do something, maybe to be the first one in the family to have actually a job to, to save, you know, maybe the first one in the family to go to college. What would you uh, give as just a suggestion? What could it be that you would tell someone, hey, do this first, be the first one to do this or try something different, you know, because trying could be pioneering for someone. Try something different. What would be one thing you would give to the listeners and say, hey, try this. Maybe it's new for you or you're trying it again, but try it. What would that be? Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that. Most of the folks we serve here are 
are women. 75% of our firm's clients are women and 95% of our clients are black folks, brown folks, and other various minorities, but mostly black folks in that order. And the interesting thing is, I just intimated this to somebody the other day in that most of our clients are first-generation wealth accumulators. So what that means is, Dr. K, they are the game changers of their family. Wow, wow. That I would say that's probably 98% of the people we serve. That's awesome. Are, they're first-generation awesome. wealth accumulators. I mean, they're really the ones setting the tone. And what I see in common with all of these folks is that education was at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Education's <laughs> at the forefront. Now, for other races, that may not be as important. I don't know. I can only speak about the race that I'm intertwined in the most. And we do serve folks of all different types of races, but I'm in the black community every single day. I, I don't take a day off of being black. <laughs> so, uh, neither do I. <laughs> so I understand. Yes. So, so what, but what I realized is education. It, it's, it's a must. We, we must educate our children at home. As I mentioned earlier and intimated, talking to my children about being men and, and finances and financial freedom, financial independence, becoming job creators. So we're conditioning them to be job creators, not job seekers. We're conditioning them to be good stewards of their, their money. We're conditioning them to have a servant's mentality. Yes. You yes. have to, you, in order to, to propel your life financial, I truly believe you have to serve people. I well. Man, I so agree. Yes, yes. And, Ooh, and I, wow. I, I realized years ago that in order for me to do well financially, I had to help other people do well financially. In that order. I couldn't put my interests ahead of theirs. Now today, that they're, today, 17 years later, there are rules stating that if you're a fiduciary, you have to put your client's interests ahead of yours. I said, ahead of yours, yes. and, and I said to, to my friends around the country at different wealth management firms, I'm like, we didn't need a rule to tell us that. You should have already been doing that. Well, let's say you should not have needed a rule. Let's say it that way. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so going back to the main thing, I, I truly believe it's education. Uh, over here at CFM, we're very, very big on education, continuing education, and being a committed lifelong learner. I believe that combined with your, with your passion and your purpose those are the things. Those are the things that can lead someone to becoming a game changer. I've never once did something because of money, and I've never once let money hinder me from pursuing a goal, or a dream, or a vision. Never. I, I don't. I don't think of it like that. I, I think of it in the sense that okay, if I do all the things that I need to do here in the physical, I believe that I will be taken care of. You from, know, um, from so, the person so, so I was going to say blessings flow. Um, and, you know, people so misquote uh, the scripture when they say uh, 
uh, how does it go? Uh, God helps those who help themselves. That's, that's so inaccurate. That's not true. Um, he said, you know, Jesus Christ came and he said, I came to serve, not to be served. And so as you get that knowledge, and like you said, you have that servant's heart, um, then things do come back to you. So uh, I pray right now that, you know, you've given us so much today and uh, to unpack. As you, you were honest, you said there was a lot to unpack. And I, I hope that that pioneering point that you brought, that whoever's listening, if there's something that you have never thought about as it pertains to finance, go to your local library. And because of COVID, um, in case you did not know, a lot, of, a lot of the public libraries are now open to things online. You know, you can check out your books and pick it up. Um, now that things are opening up too, you can pick it up, but get a book. Like you said, become that lifelong learner. Try and learn something you've never learned before. You can go into, you know, Walmart or dollar store and pick up a book on finance or freedom and then find and start reading and consuming as much as you possibly can. Then search out, reach out to someone that can help you increase your understanding, but glean something today and that is change your mindset so that you can go from, a, you know, understanding what it is to be abundant and never living in scarcity. So, uh, Maurice, I really would love if you could give us information, like how can we contact you? Or uh, I don't know if your company provides any information via social media that people can follow you online. How, how can we do that? So our website is uh, cfmva.com, Charlie, Frank, Maurice, Victor, Anthony.com. I can be contacted at cfmcontact at cfmva.com. Uh, we have a Clark Financial Management LinkedIn page, Clark Financial Management Facebook page. So we have those things and we're constantly posting different things regarding finance and, and more importantly, wealth and the make sure people understand the difference between rich and wealthy. We can talk about that at a later time. So... so I'm going to put that in the show notes again. So those who heard what he was talking about, and you have some interest, and as Mari said earlier, uh, his company may not be the one, uh, you know, best fit for you, but I'm believing what he's bringing to the table for this show and the next uh, episode that we can, you know, dive into even more. I believe you at least get the nugget that when you go out and look for someone, you'll know where and how, how to, how to uh, make sure that you're meeting with the right person that's going to best meet your needs of where you are and where you want to go. Mr. Clark, thank you so much for today. I want to thank you for bringing us those nuggets of real life. So no one should be stuck right now in the how to, how to get started, start with your mindset as it pertains to, you know, being abundant, having abundance or living in a place of scarcity. So I want to thank all my listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, these words are coming to you, not just so that you can hear it, but we want you to be active in doing something with it in order to propel to purpose. You have got to understand that everyone, everything in life is set up just for you to move forward, but you have got to take the actions. Take actions today based on what you've heard. Take actions today based on what he said. Get your mindset together, get it right, because you may be the first one to do something different that's gonna change the life of someone else. We thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this with other people who may need the knowledge that you've now gleaned. Thank you so much and be blessed. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening in today. I'm so thankful that you took the time to listen. I know there are many podcasts out there. So I appreciate you taking the time to listen to mine. So do this for me as well. If you haven't done it already, make sure you subscribe, share, and comment. Yes, I really want your feedback. As I move through this process of becoming a better podcaster, you could never do anything without getting feedback. So I'm asking for yours. Take a moment too and follow me on Instagram under Propelling Points or on Facebook under Dr. Sharon Kelly, or you can even join the Propelling Point Facebook page. I would love to have you there. I give inspirational thoughts, feedback, and we come together for live shows where I get to talk to you and you get to talk to me. And don't forget on Clubhouse. I'm also on Clubhouse as Propelling Point as well. Now that you've listened to this broadcast, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Propel to your purpose. Now I need you to propel beyond the fear of the how-to so that you can move from conceiving a thing to completing what matters. That's why we're here. So that you can go beyond the fear to complete the thing that you've conceived for years. Now use these tips and points that we gave today to use your influence so that you can create a positive impact that brings about the change that is needed in you and those around you. Have a great day.